Well, good morning again, church. It is good to see you all on this morning. And of course, to all who have participated in some form or fashion, thank you for your service. Um, I hope that uh, you all have had a good Christmas day or at least Christmas time. Um, I don't want or I don't mean to brag or boast, but uh, we had a good time. We did absolutely nothing. <laughs> and we caught up on rest and uh, we woke up when the Lord decided to wake us up and uh, got a couple of things done around the house. So for us, it was a, it was a good Christmas and uh, we praise the Lord for that. And Again, I hope that your Christmas was well, and if for some reason it wasn't, uh, I hope and pray that the Lord kept you. Amen? Amen. This morning, this is uh, the last Sunday, as our brother Michael said, uh, the last Sunday of 2019, and uh, we are getting ready to not only move into a new year, but also a new decade. And for this for this sermon, I want us to reflect on uh, 2019 and specifically uh, some ways in which God himself has uh, displayed his nature, his character. I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later. But before we do that, just a couple of things I want you to be praying for. Obviously, you can pray for this message as I preach it. But uh, be praying for upcoming messages. Uh, if you have been here for some time, you will know that in January, I'll come back up, uh, specifically, uh, I believe it's the third Sunday in January, and we'll talk a little bit about the vision and the future of the church. And uh, some of my sermons will be, uh, upcoming sermons will reflect uh, aspects of the vision. So be praying that the Lord will help me to say what it is he would have me to say from his word. Amen? Amen? All right, well, with that being said, I'll ask you to rise if you're able. Our scripture for this morning comes from Romans 11. Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. I'll read it, pray, and then you can take your seat. Paul says these words at the end of this chapter. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And as we come to this portion of it, we pray, O oh Lord, that your spirit would help us to digest it. And as we think about what this passage of scripture means, not only in its context, but what it means for us in this day and time, uh, we pray, O oh Lord, uh, that you would help us. Again, we thank you for your word. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So some of us, and I include myself in this, some of us, you know, at the end of a year, we begin thinking about uh, some New Year's resolutions and what those may be. And, uh, and I confess I haven't settled on any, but I am thinking through some as we speak. But again, before we rush to some New Year type stuff, I want to challenge us to reflect on specifically some attributes of God and how these qualities or these attributes were seen throughout the course of 2019. Now, that being said, uh, in terms of our application, uh, a lot of this will have to be done outside of our time together. But I want us to think about some of the attributes of our Lord as they were displayed over this past year. Now, when I say attributes of God, in essence, uh, for those who, who might think that an interesting phrase, that's, you know, qualities of God's, you know, characteristics of his nature. And there are some characteristics that we share with God. For example, God is a God of love. And being created in his image, in his likeness, being redeemed in Christ, we too can love. God is merciful. God is patient. And again, being created in his image and in his likeness and redeemed by the blood of his son, we too can be kind and patient. But there's also certain attributes that are for God alone. For example, you might have heard the fact that God himself is uh, all-powerful. And, you know, we've met some powerful people perhaps in our lifetime, maybe someone with great resources, great influences, uh, or in connections or whatnot, and these folks, uh, they have the ability to shake and move some things. But their power does not compare to the power of our almighty God. You've heard perhaps God is, is all-knowing, you know, and again, we know folks who, you know, have PhDs in multiple disciplines. We know folks who are just, just out of this world, it seems like, when it comes to their knowledge and their wisdom, but that pales in comparison to our God who knows all things. Same thing with, you know, you've heard he's an omnipresent or everywhere present God. And again, we know folks who travel all over the world. One day they're in Europe. The next week they might be in Africa or America or wherever. But God is everywhere at the same time. So there are certain attributes that we share with God. And then there are certain attributes that are his alone. And in this portion of Scripture, which follows a larger context, which I'll speak to in a second we will see a couple of attributes. But before we get to that, Paul right here, you know, there are some who see this as a doxological end to uh, the doctrinal part of Romans. For example, Paul has been out preaching and 
He's been uh, serving the Lord in, in, in various uh, parts of the world at that time, and he wanted to go to Rome. Rome was the most powerful place at that time, and he wanted to make his way there and meet some of the Christians and see you know, how the Lord uses him there. And before getting there, he writes this letter, and it's a way of introducing himself, specifically his teaching. And so the first 11 chapters are extremely doctrinal. And then the latter part of the book is more practical. So some see this as the end to all of that, whereas others will see it in its most immediate context, specifically the Lord redeeming not only Gentiles, but Israel. Israel, at that particular time, there was question about, you know, are they still the covenant people of God? You know, a number of the Jews were persecuting Paul, persecuting, obviously, Jesus. And the question is, are they lost? And yet, Paul reveals that God will redeem Israel. And then he jumps into this, oh, how marvelous is the mind of God. So Paul is, in essence, marveling at some of the attributes of God. And think about this for a second before we dig into this. There are certain people that Perhaps we are just amazed by. You know, I, I, there, there, there's one person, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't share everything in common with them in terms of certain beliefs, but their resume just blows my mind. It's a guy by the name of Paul Robinson. He's a historical figure. He is, or he was a professional athlete. Uh, not only that, but he was an accomplished musician. He was an accomplished actor, and he was also a civil rights activist. And all of these things he did to some extent well. And so that resume alone just boggles my mind, and he's got some great biographies out about him. But we don't have to think about historical people. There are people that might be closer to home. <clears throat> I have someone in mind that I won't, necess I won't say their name, but this person, to see their faith demonstrated in the midst of consistent pain and loss just boggles my mind. This person lost their father at a, at a young age. Uh, they're grown now. They've lost their wife. Of their eight children, lost two of them. Recently lost a mother. Uh, I've seen them lose intimate relationships. And yet, their faith is strong and real. Not fake. Strong and real in the midst of such difficulties. And so this person amazes me when I think about them. And Paul, in this portion of Scripture, he is, he is letting out an expression of amazement for his God, for our God. And so, brothers and sisters, let's take... <clears throat> a brief look at some of these attributes that Paul is amazed by. So, for example, in verse number 33, he begins, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. <clears throat> how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. In terms of the attribute here, and, and I'm very hesitant, but I know I can do it in this crowd. And what I mean by that, 
you know, in my, in my preaching, and you've probably witnessed this, I've, you know, historically I've tried to be mindful of my audience, and you know, I want to be careful of being too theological, but uh, you can't get away from it in this book. But the first thing is what's been known as the incomprehensibility of God. Y'all say that with me. The incomprehensibility of God. I know it's a big word, and maybe I should have used the projector for today, but, but this is a way of saying that, you know, God is so much bigger than we can comprehend. He, his knowledge, his wisdom, his being, there's only so much this side of glory that we can understand. And that's not to make us frustrated. It's not a, a, a bad thing in and of itself. It's to make us marvel and realize that our God is awesome. Our God is big, and his knowledge is beyond what we can fully understand. In this particular passage, again, there was questions, as I alluded to earlier. You know, what's, what's going to happen? You know, at one point, God had chosen uh, Israel to, to make salvation known to all mankind. And at one point, you know, it seemed as though God was with Israel alone. And of course, he wasn't. But on some level, there were those who thought that to be the case. And now, all of a sudden, is it reversed? God is bringing in Gentiles. And what does this mean for Israel? And yet, Paul says that God, in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, knows what he's doing in light of bringing all of mankind together, specifically Gentiles in Israel. And so he is marveling at how wise and how knowledgeable the Lord is. And this is not to say that we shouldn't do our due diligence in studying the word and trying to figure out what more we can learn about God, but never get to a place where you think you know everything there is to know about God. You might know all there is to know about cooking or the culinary arts or, or botany or or sports, or whatever it may be, but we cannot know the fullness of God this side of glory. And again, that's, that's, you know, just to say that as someone who studies and tries to learn more is just like, it's sobering, but it also makes me reflect that we have a big and awesome God. And that's good news, amen? It is good news, to know that we have a God who is big. So again, the first attribute that Paul is referencing, uh, in my judgment, is the incomprehensibility of God. And I want you to think for a second. In what ways have we seen God move over 2019 that we just did not understand? Lord, why did this happen? Why did this come about? And it could be good or bad or whatever, but what are some of the things that we see God's hand in over the course of 2019 that we just do not fully understand? But yet, we recognize that God is involved. I want you to think about that today and over the next couple of days. In verse number 34, and going into 35, it says, For who, and he's quoting here, but for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? 
Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? On some level, this speaks to the transcendental nature of God. Is it okay if I use these words? You sure? You know, I, you know, if I were leading a Bible study, I'd be all into it. But from the pulpit, I like to exhort. But nonetheless, say it with me. The transcendental nature of God. If I were to use human terms, God stands whole, head and shoulders above the rest. We look at people, and again, it can be in various fields, and you say, that person, they stand out. That person, they stand out for whatever reason. Well, when it comes to God himself, there is no one like our God. Let me say that again. There is no one like our God. Again, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? The Lord, you know, we need counsel. Even the wisest amongst us will need some form of counsel from time to time. But the Lord needs no counsel, for he knows it all. And he's not, we, we say know-it-all in a bad sense when we speak about one another, but God is a good know-it-all. Amen? And praise God that he knows it all. But this is a way, again, of highlighting the fact that he stands heads and shoulders above anything else that exists that we might consider powerful or wise. And I want you to, you know, in what ways has God shown up over 2019 and just, you know, shown out? In what ways have we seen God do things that only he could do? This causes me, and I hope for us, to reflect on that. The next thing in verse 36 he says these words, for, to, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And this, again, to my mind and to a couple of others that I've studied, in this we will see the all-encompassing nature of God. Say that with me. The all-encompassing nature of God. Are you sure y'all all right? <laughs> you see how, how weird this is for me, right? But, but uh, again, we have the incomprehensibility of God. We have the transcendent nature of God. We have a God who is all-encompassing. In other words... There's no deficiency in our God whatsoever. You know, there are some we'll go to for medical advice. There are others we'll go to, eh, you know, we need something built, and they have that type of skill. For others, oh, we need, you know, this type of, uh, we want to make this meal, and we know that you have good recipe-type skills and all of that. And we go to different people for certain things. And then there are others we know, well, we shouldn't go to them for that because that's not their expertise. You know, I can name almost uh, 50, 100 things you probably shouldn't come to me for, but I don't want to put myself down too much. <laughs> but with God, there is no deficiency in God. 
He is all-encompassing. With him, we find all that our souls need. With him, we can find all that our minds and our bodies need. We have an awesome God, and he is able to provide without any deficiency whatsoever. And so, brothers and sisters, and, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to belabor these points, but I want you to reflect. And, and by the way, I'm using this portion of Scripture. This is something that I'm thinking about. You can think about other attributes of the Lord. In what ways in 2019 has he shown himself merciful? In what ways has he shown himself uh, patient or kind? Whatever it may be, I want for you and I, with the last few remaining days, I want us to reflect and think about how God has made himself known to us in his various qualities and characteristics. Again, the Apostle Paul is marveling at God in this phrase or this passage. And as I said last week, Mary and Joseph, you know, they marveled over what was being said about Jesus. Well, we have so much to marvel at about our God. Amen? We can get tired of a variety of things. And yes, in our finite nature, we, again, get tired of good things as well. But with God, there is so much to reflect upon. There's so much to give thanks for. And we should always have a stance or a posture of, of humility when it comes to our great God. He closes out this section again by saying, for from him and through him and to him are, are all things. And then he says, to him be glory forever. To him be glory forever. Now, of course, he's talking about in this immediate context, salvation of Israel, and of course, how the Gentiles are brought in. But you cannot read this passage without seeing the great wisdom of God in the cross. Why is it that Gentiles are brought in? Because of Christ. Why is it that Israel, and by the way, I know this is, you know, there's challenging interpretations in this passage. It's not my point to deal with the passage as a whole, but nonetheless, you know, how is it that Israel is going to be redeemed? Jesus Christ and his cross. Who in the world would have thought that salvation should come from a cross? Who in the world would think that to redeem all of creation, God would come to the earth to experience death. Again, certain people do certain things that we question, and maybe rightly so. God, if we tell the truth, says things, commands things that are this makes no sense whatsoever to the flesh. But yet Paul would say, how inscrutable are his ways? How deep, how rich is his wisdom and his judgments? 
Again, brothers and sisters, we have an awesome God. Amen? 2019, it might have been good. It might have been rough. It might have been a combination of those things. But God was present. Whether we recognized him or not, God was present. And again, your homework, my homework, whether it's you thinking about how God displayed his incomprehensibility or his transcendent nature or his gracious ways, I want to challenge you to reflect on this. What ways has God made himself known to me over this past year? And as you reflect on that, may the Spirit cause us to rejoice. May it cause us to be humble. May it cause us to be grateful. Whatever it may be, let us respond in the way that the Spirit would move us. So brothers and sisters, let us be reminded that again, if we're running quickly away from 2019, some of us feel that way. Let's hurry up and get into the new year for whatever that means. But let's not forget that we have a God who is in 2019, he'll be in 2020, and let's reflect on the characteristics of our great God. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father, as the Apostle Paul marveled, as he was amazed by how awesome you are and the qualities that, that make up your nature, Help us, Lord, as your people to reflect on you and your ways. And as we do, Father, we pray that your spirits will stir our hearts, stir our minds. Lord, for the ways you've been gracious, may we not only be thankful, but may we also be gracious. For the ways in which you have loved and forgiven, May we not only rejoice and reflect on that, but may we love and forgive. Father, we thank you for your redemption. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for bringing us through 2019. There are a number of folks who have not made it through 2019. There are a number of churches that have not made it through 2019. Father, you have kept us and you've made yourself known in a variety of ways. And for that, we thank you. We look forward to this new year and we look forward to all that you have in store. Thank you for being such a great God. Thank you for being such a great Savior. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.